Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchi. Coach, how are we doing over there? Doing awesome. Super excited for our guest today. We'll talk a little bit of conjugate methods. So, Coach, how sore are you from, from dancing on Saturday? I know you were doing a little crip walk or something like that during that halftime show. You and the wife getting down a little bit. What You, you know what I mean? What do you think? I'll tell you, the age is definitely affecting the dance moves. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. A little disappointed in myself. I'm going to have to really work on some extra mobility this week. Oh, absolutely, right? Some foot strengthening, things like that. Very what good. a game, though, huh? Good game. Great game. Happy for Rob, obviously, right? We talked about that. This, I talked to him uh, a couple days ago, and, man, what an experience. Uh, <laughs> what an experience. So you know, The other thing, Brian, is you're looking at a lot of those – Super Bowl, you know, players, a lot of them were zero stars or hardly any stars. And I think that's that's a big message for our listeners out there that the Cooper Cup, for example, MVP didn't have, he was zero stars out of high school and no college scholarship offers. So athletes out there, keep working. When I think they said out of the, I think there's 53 active players that they have. I think they said, uh, there were 14 total. So over 10%, you know, almost like 12% of the, you know, the guys were zero stars out of high school and they're, you know, playing in the Super Bowl. So what a, you know, what a great message for, for a lot of kids, boys and girls to keep working and keep training and doing the little things. And that's, uh, we're going to lead into our guests here, Dino. Um, I'm fired up because I've been dealing with this, this Fox Valley Association, all these Fox Valley people that Dean brings on our show and I'm just kind of the outsider. So I'm, I decided to reach into our bag here at Sports Advantage and bring in one of my trainers, uh, Lucas Dankovic. So Lucas is, is our, our director at Beaver Dam. Lucas has been with me for over four years, right, Luke? Just about. Just about four years. And, um, you know, very blessed to have Lucas on our staff. Mm -hmm. um, his knowledge, uh, he makes everybody on our staff better um, and, and whatnot. He's running our Beaver Dam uh, facility in the ice arena. And he also works with Beaver Dam high school and he, you know, their staff up there also work with Wayland high school. So we're gonna bring Lucas on Lucas, uh, give our listeners a little bit on your background here and, and whatnot, where you're from and all that good stuff. For sure. So I am originally from Weirton, West Virginia, small town right outside of Pittsburgh. Um, that's usually how I have to introduce myself to everyone is I'm just from outside of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Weirton, no one knows anything about it. So yeah, I'm from right outside of Pittsburgh. Um, grew up in a small town, <clears throat> um, went to school at West Liberty University. Um, I studied exercise physiology. Um, although I didn't start off on exercise physiology, I actually started out as a digital media major um, and quickly realized that, that that wasn't my cup of tea. So um, I switched right out of that by the end of my freshman year um, and I started into exercise physiology um, and I'll kind of dive into why I kind of got into that. But um, so yeah, I graduated um, with my exercise physiology degree um, and to meet my graduation requirements, I had to complete an internship. Um, so I met with my advisor and we kind of talk, talked about all the different routes and different avenues that I could take to, to find a successful way to make, make a living. So um, we kind of sat down and hashed out some plans and, you know, he kind of mentioned a strength and conditioning coach and, you know, I was like, you know what, that sounds, sounds kind of right on my alley. And I, I wasn't really sure at the beginning. Um, so he's like, well, let's just do the internship and see what happens. Um, and then, kind of left me on my own on that one. And I was like, well, I don't really know what to do at this point. So I got on footballscoop.com and I sent out, oh boy, probably 200 emails. 
and I, I wanted to go big. So any D1 um, like thing on there, I, I forwarded right to uh, I sent it right to him. So uh, Wisconsin uh, was actually the first one to get back to me. I think they got back to me within a day. Um, set up a interview and I was on my way up to Wisconsin to get my interview and got the internship right away. So uh, that was in 2016. So I did my internship with them um, through summer camp, a little bit into fall camp, worked with some really cool athletes there. TJ Watt, that was his senior year. So that class was a really special class. A lot of fun, a lot of really cool guys, um, a lot of really cool memories, learned a lot there. Um, and then from that point on, I kind of picked the strength coach's brain, kind of seeing what they were doing to get where they were at. And a lot of them said they had a master's degree and that was my next route. So I went home that night. Um, as soon as I talked to him, I applied because I didn't want to think about it. I knew if I thought, I thought about it and sat on it, I probably wouldn't do it. So I went down, sat down and I pulled the trigger on it and I applied to grad school at California University of Pennsylvania, um, got accepted and then I completed that. Um, and then after that, I kind of got back in contact with Brian um, here and there, and now now we're here. So worked in Verona for a little bit, and then when this opportunity opened up, I uh, jumped on it, and wife and I moved up to Beaver Dam and bought a house, and now we're here. So, Lucas, hey, before Sports Advantage, you mentioned you know your stay at Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit about some of these places and some of the experience and some of the things that you learned from being at these places before you got to Sports Advantage. Right. So um, I really didn't have too much of a, a knowledge base on when it came to programming. I was kind of so-so, you know, I knew a little bit of information here and there, kind of like all of us starting out. I thought I knew some things. And then the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. Um, so I mean, it was a really cool experience just kind of de <clears throat> dealing with all the different position groups, injuries, um, different athletic, athletic levels. I mean, all those guys are pretty high-end athletes, but, you know, there were some variations here and there. So um, but I think the big thing is once I left Wisconsin, I kind of asked those guys too, um, you know, where they started, how they got to where they're at. And they all told me that they started with personal training. You know, they just learned how to teach people that really had no idea how to move, how to move. And they say, if you can do that, then you can pretty much teach an athlete how to do just about anything. It kind of resonated with me. And I was like, yeah, it's probably a good idea. So um, went home and once I was done with my internship and my, um, I went home and I started applying to personal training jobs all over the country. Cause at the time my wife and I were, um, well, we were still dating. Um, she had moved to North Carolina. Um, so when I moved back home, we were apart. So we kind of had our doors wide open for us. So we started, uh, I started applying to jobs all over the country. And the first one that came through was in new Orleans, Louisiana. So packed up my bags and we moved South. And I started um, doing a little bit of personal training there, kind of got my niche for um, what I was doing, started to apply the conjugate a little bit. Um, and once, once I talk a little bit more about kind of where I grew up lifting, um, you'll kind of see how this all falls into place. But um, I did a lot of research on the conjugate when I was down there. I didn't know too, too much about it at the time. Um, started doing some research on it and then I started applying it to all my clients. Um, and then I got a few little uh, football players and I was actually in the works of starting up a youth program down there for a bunch of little football players. Um, we had about 30 kids signed up and then uh, Brian offered me a job and it kind of left that high and dry. I left him with a good blueprint and I came on my way up here. But um, so I really got to dabble a little bit with conjugate kind of down there, um, seeing how it worked out, kind of playing with some ideas. So um, that's kind of how it all started. So you had some experience doing the personal training 
situation as far as a job and then now what you're doing now what what's the big difference as, as far as what you think as far as you, you know you're doing more group training now right right and i had some i had some training. training down there but i would say for the most part most of those people were just trying to get a healthy lifestyle you know they weren't trying to make it to the next level a lot of them were just trying to get on the right path uh, getting a good habit of coming to the gym training learning what it means to train hard um, and just trying to shed off some weight um, that was the, that was the big one. Um, I had a lot of those actually probably one of the coolest experience I've had is I had a girl that was wheelchair bound and I'm not going to take all the credit for this, but I had a girl that was wheelchair bound. It was an older lady. Um, and by the time I was done with her, she was able to walk around with no wheelchair. So they, it was, it was really, really cool. Um, she had a really injured her knee, um, a couple years prior and kind of just gave up hope, but you know, we started out small and box squatting actually. And before you know it, she was walking and it was, it was great. It was a really cool experience. Hey, Dank. So, you know, I had a pretty cool experience. And, and for me, like when you guys, especially having young coaches and Dean has had this with some of his players, like when you, you know, find that person, you get to get married and, and stuff like that. I got to go experience your guys' wedding years in Grayson's and um, got to meet some of your boys that you grew up with and, and whatnot. And, and big dudes, Dean, these guys aren't little dudes either, you know? And so you, I, I could, I could tell that lifting and, and training was a big part of, you know, when you grew up and your friend base and stuff like that, which is, I think we all see that right in strength and conditioning. I think the reason why we all typically go into strength and conditioning is because we all at some point really enjoy that part of it. But you also talked about personal training and there's so many different niches out of exercise physiology that you can choose. When do you think you really knew Lucas and how did you really know um, that you really want to be a strength and performance coach versus some of the other entities that are out there based on your backgrounds and stuff like that. To be honest, as soon as I got to my internship day one, I was like, yep, this is it. I, I knew it the moment I walked into uh, Camp Randall, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, it, it was, it just felt right. So after that moment, <clears throat> you know, I just followed the guys that were exactly where I wanted to be. I listened to their advice and I applied it and lo and behold, here we are. So you know, definitely talk to the guys that are where you want to be because they've obviously done the right thing. So. So you talked, Lucas, about the conjugate method and you were kind of playing around with it. And obviously sports advantage is big into the conjugate method. What, when did you realize, Hey, this is the best way to train athletes. I realized that probably more so when I was up in Beaver Dam, because most of those kids, there wasn't really a solid training plan. <clears throat> and you know, it's just, it's so simple. It's so repeatable. It's, it's so easy to apply, you know, going through like Olympic lifting and, you know, you can, you can put Olympic lifting in the conjugate, which is the beauty of the conjugate system. You can apply really whatever you want to it, but just thinking about the downtime that it took to teach a Olympic lift the correct way, you know, start with a PVC pipe, start with doing the basics and with a box squat, you know, I get new kids <clears throat> left and right day in and day out. And within, 20 minutes, they have a beautiful box squat and we're able to start the progressions right away. You know, they're tossed right into the wolves essentially and we get them going. So, you know, and then once you just start seeing verticals go up and sprint times go down and strength numbers go up, it's just, it's so hard to argue against it. Well, and, and dank too, I think the unique scenario that, that you and I both fall into that Dean doesn't get right is we have kids like in a private facility that we'll see for two or three months and then maybe we don't see them for two or three months. So 
the progressions, like you said, with teaching Olympic lifts and some of the other things that you have to teach and other methodologies becomes very hard because, you know, kids can fall back onto a box and sit back onto a box. Like, like they did it like three or four months ago, kids can jump on a jump mat can jump on a jump onto a box. It's really hard to go back to Olympic lifting if you haven't done it, especially at such a young age. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, the thing too, with Olympic lifts is it's a sport. Olympic oh, yeah, lifting exactly. is, a, is a sport. You know what right. I mean? So like you wouldn't, you know, like we with football and stuff like that, if a kid misses football for three months, he's not just going to hop right back in, you know, he's going to have to train and do other things. So I think Lucas, that brings us to a really unique scenario that you have, um, which I really love about what we've done at sports advantage um, is working with high schools um, and doing other things. So you have a really unique scenario that you have up in Beaver Dam. Um, our facility up there is about 3,200 square feet, right? Give or take, you know, Give or take, yeah, yeah, somewhere in there uh, in our, in the ice arena in Beaver Dam. And so um, you also work with the high school, which has 16 squat racks. Yep. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So it's, I mean, it's a good size weight room for, you know, a high school. Um, and you use the conjugate method at both places. Correct. So yeah, and you have different age discrepancies, right? Because you have fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth graders. At the ice graders. Yeah, you know what I mean? You have, you know, high school and college kids that come to the high school. So tell us kind of programmatically, and I, you know, I understand that that a lot of things are similar and things like that, but how do you go about programming it when you have different ages and you have a different size facility from four squat racks to 16 because obviously we know with 16 you can do a lot more than you can do with four for sure um, and you do it very uniquely so i'd like you to share that with everybody right so you know when looking at the two different weight rooms it kind of evens itself out because it, at the beaver dam facility we have four racks um you know on average we have anywhere from 12 to 16 kids when we look over at the beaver dam weight room even though they have it might i think it's 14 racks even though they have 14 racks you know there's 30, 40 kids coming in there. So it, it kind of equals itself out in terms of numbers in a rack. Um, so basically when I sit down to program, I program based off of our weight room and what we have accessible. And then I make changes what I know that they have at the, the high school. So they only have straight bars over there. They only have bands and they only have boxes. So I got to get really creative with the band tension that I use, the angle of the bands that I'm pulling. So sometimes it's straight up and down. Sometimes it's at a 45 degree angle. Sometimes it's reverse bands. Sometimes it's a front squat, we deadlift, we do all different types of, of different pulls um, and things like that. But I really base it off of what I program at the ice arena. And I try to emulate the best way that I can. I, find, I try to find the, the best substitute for each exercise that I have, because we don't have all the cool stuff that we have at the ice arena at, at the high school. So when it comes to the ice arena, you know, every kid, regardless of the age, they're doing the same program, which is really, really cool. So we have third graders training with our top athletes. We have fourth graders training with our top athletes. The only difference is the progression where they're at. So, you know, we have some guys with a bar and hundred pounds of band, 80 pounds of chain with two, three, four, 45s on each side. And then we have a kid over there doing the same thing, but with a dumbbell, but they're training right alongside each other. And I think it's a really cool scenario because, you know, these young kids look up to these older kids and they get to train right alongside with them and, and they love it. And the old kids love it too, because those kids just gawk all over them. They, they love it. You know, they think it's the coolest thing that these little kids are looking up to them. So they're right next to each other, getting after it in the racks um, and they push each other. It, it's awesome. It's, it's a really, really cool environment. 
Lucas, if I'm a, if I'm a strength coach and I'm at a high school and, you know, like Kimberly, we got a lot of numbers and then there's some schools that, you know, are really small and I want to start a conjugate system and I want to start training my athletes. What are some, some things that are must in the program as far as equipment wise and how would I kind of get started as a strength coach? Cause obviously I'm not going to have a budget. I'm not going to have all of these different types of things, but what would be some things that really just to get me going right away that I could start and utilize the conjugate method? Right. I would say as long as you had a bar, I mean, obviously if you could get more than one bar, that would be ideal. But if you have a bar, some bands, a box and a reverse hyper, you got everything you need to, to get rolling on the conjugate system, even in its most simple form, because there's all different types of band tensions, all different types of ways you can change the stimulus with box height, the way you change up the bands, pulling from the floor, anything like that. So, you know, you just really need four simple things and you can start right on your way with the, the conjugate system. And which is pretty much what I had to do at Beaver Dam. You know, we started with next to nothing. We didn't even have hypers. We didn't have boxes. So we were pulling benches over. We had very few bands. So we had to get really creative early on. But, you know, now we have three reverse hypers. We have all probably 40 of each band, you know, enough boxes for every rack. So we're getting, we're moving, we're getting along there. We're kind of making, uh, we're making some progress. No, those are all great things, Lucas. So what other like resources for coaches out there? What would you recommend, you know, people maybe to follow, maybe books, you know, what are some things that kind of help guide you and give you some general information on it? Right. So um, I've probably read every Westside book that's out there twice. You know, I listen to Louie's podcast when I'm driving, even my three minutes to work, I listen to his podcast and within a week I get through maybe one. If I'm making a trip, throw Louis' podcast on that dude is so knowledgeable and you know, anyone that he associates himself with, I, I listen to um, the order, like, you know, there's the old Russian books on the conjugate system where they come from. That's literally, I just spend all of my time reading that type of stuff and listening and watching and just diving into that stuff. But I going back, you know, into the weight room setting, I think the most important thing is making sure that they understand the basics. Like, so right now we're with the middle school football team and some of those kids really, none of them have really trained too, too much um, previously. Obviously, you know, some of them are in sixth grade, fifth grade. Um, and we spent the first two weeks of it just breaking down technique. You know, we had a 15 pound, but we started body weight and I spent almost an hour going through box squat technique because I think it's important. You know, they're, they're all, there's, you know, it's their first time and ideally they're going to be with us all the way through their senior year. So I think it's really important to dial that in now, break bad habits and teach them the way it's supposed to be done. I spent a whole day on, you know, bench press technique. I just taught them how to hip hinge yesterday. We spent a whole entire session on, you know, we just started with a dumbbell good morning. I really like that front rack dumbbell good morning. Um, just putting the dumbbell right up next to their collarbones. I think that works really well. I think it gives them a physical cue to pull back up against. Um, and I've had really, really good success with that. But, you know, I think really just honing in on the basics and teaching them box squat, bench, how to hip hinge. I think if you can teach them that, get them on the hyper and start getting some reps on, the, on their posterior chain, I think, I think they're going to be in a really good scenario to, to grow and to pro progress through the conjugate system and through high school. You know, when I, I do the conjugate system and, and I know there's lots of different ways, you know, when we brought the queen bee on here, you know, there's so many variety of ways to be able to do the conjugate system. And I know that really excites me as a strength and conditioning coach. And, you know, it's just not one way of doing things. You're kind of experimenting as you go. And I think that's where you can really tweak it to every athlete that I found out 
to really find out, hey, does this athlete need more strength? Do they need more explosion? And that that's the really exciting thing that I found out by doing the conjugate method. And then there's obviously changing all those different angles, those different exercises. It really keeps kids hungry in the weight room. They never seem to get bored with it. No, not at all. And you know, <clears throat> what we started doing is I only have one of each specialty bar. Um, go, I have a multi-grip bar. Um, I have a cambered multi-grip bar, axle bar, um, a giant cambered bar, safety squat bar, um, <clears throat> just a regular bar. We have a log bar. We have all the chains. <clears throat> so what we started doing, you know, because we only have one of each is we assign each rack um, a certain exercise, you know. So, for instance, it might be a multi-grip bar versus chains. The next one might be a fat bar floor press. Um, the next one might be a close grip bench press versus bands. And then the other one, you know, might be a board press or something along the lines of that, you know. And we just program everything in four-week waves. And we group kids up and we just move them down the rack every week and we just keep track of their records. Um, and then eventually, you know, we'll wave back through and, you know, repeat all those exercises. I keep track of everything. I keep track of all their jumps, all their squat PRs, all their bench PRs. And then, you know, I'm going to compare them as we get through. I change the stimulus every week. We never do the same jump. We haven't done the same jump in probably the last 12 weeks. I find a new way to challenge them every day. And it's really cool because, <clears throat> you know, they get into their groups and they're with them through for four weeks. So we make sure we put really competitive kids with each other and kids that are hungry and we make them compete with each other. And I mean, they're, they're grinding in the racks and it's, it's awesome to see because they're yelling at each other, they're screaming, they're breaking PRs and it, it's really cool to see because, and they don't get bored too. Like you said, you know, they're always doing something different and they're looking for, they're always looking for the next one. They always try to get the worst one out of the way, but you know, it's, it's cool. It, and it's, it, it's been working out really well, so. Well, Lucas, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm just getting jacked up listening to you talk about it and the passion that you have. Yeah, Christ, I can't even get a word in edgewise here. Jesus. For helping athletes out, but I'll tell you, Beaver Dam is, is really lucky oh. to have you. There's no doubt about it. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't, I you know, we got to keep going. But, I, I mean, just the, the, the culture, the change that has happened. And we talk about that so often, Dean. The, the, the way you can change the culture, not just in your football program, but any program is through the strength and conditioning. Because the kids, you know, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, pro, you're going to spend more time with your strength coaches than your, than your, you know, sport coaches, you know, and just what has happened, you know, in Beaver Dam and just the surrounding areas. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing, Dank, for what you guys have done. And I really love, you know, the idea of the specialty bars, you know, and we talked about that uh, a little more. Um, maybe just tell everybody like why the specialty bars are so critical and why, you know, changing the stimulus on the athlete is so critical. And then also why recording everything is so important, right? I mean, right. always trying to break a new record and it doesn't have to be by 50 pounds, but, you know, constantly get, getting improvement. So I know right. a lot there. <laughs> Right. No, that's fine. So, you know, we, what we try to do is we try to put athletes in situations where they're going to have to struggle. They're going to have to grind a little bit. We're not putting them in situations where, you know, they might get 400 pounds. They might only put 225 on a bar and they're a 400 pound squatter. You know, we have them do good mornings against 45 degree angle bands and chains hanging off the side. But what really what we're looking for is we're just trying to put them in scenarios that we know they haven't been in. And we're really just trying to challenge their body. But the cool thing is, is since you're putting them in all these different scenarios, you can kind of start to see like if they have a weak point where it's at, um, you know, we've had some kids start to fold forward. And as soon as we put them on that, 
that good morning with the bands pulling forward, we're like, ah, that's it. Cause they can't stand back up and they only have 95 pounds on the bar. And you're like, well, wait a second, you have a 315 squat. So what's going on here? What's holding you back? And, you know, it just kind of starts to open a book on some things and really reveals where they're weak. Um, you know, if you just put a straper on their back all the time, you know, they're just going to have a 315 squat or whatever it may be. And you're not gonna be able to really figure out what's going on until you start exposing them to, to a whole bunch of different stimulus and see really where they're at. So I think that's been one of the greatest assets of, changing up the specialty bars um, and just putting them in scenarios where, you know, they haven't been in. Well, I think too, Dank, right. You, you talk about the, we talk about the law of accommodation, right? If they keep doing the same exercise with the same stimulus, the same bar, the body, the body is a super, you know, super computer. It's going to adapt and all right. of a they're going to start going backwards. And I think the other thing that we talked about is, uh, you know, with the specialty bars or even like a floor press, you know, those, those exercises can have a correlation to whether or not their squat or their bench or their deadlift's going to go up. And so then you start to look at them as like one, as one-offs, right? So like, I know from our kids at Wanakee, like if their floor press gets better, their bench press is going to get better. Absolutely, yeah. so, then, so then you can look at exercises that's going to improve their floor press because if you can figure out how to improve their floor press, their bench press naturally, naturally goes up. Right, right. So Dank, I, this is going to be a fun one because I, I, I've been waiting to, to have this one come out here. We got all these people that are on social media and Twitter and all this. Oh man, I, I, yeah, I want to get, get after this one. The thing that, you know, you have to do all this, you know, sprinting and running and, you know, single leg lower body is the only way to go about things, which obviously single leg strength is very important. Um, but they think there's, there's only certain way to develop speed. Okay. And I want to use the example that happened in Beaver Dam. Obviously we talked about, we don't have very much 3,100 square feet. It's not a lot of room to run. No, it is not. Um, and the gym space at Beaver Dam is not all, always utilized. Last spring we went and timed, you know, probably about 60 to 70 kids. Uh, we have one kid, I believe one kid that was sub f- five, five flat in the 40. Yep. We timed them, you know, going into the football season, and I believe we had 15. We did. It was 15, 15. yep. That's pretty good memory, by the way, on my part. Um, but anyways, 15 kids, okay, sub five in the 40. Now, again, that's not blazing, but the improvement is is quite a bit. Pretty substantial, yeah. How do you feel the conjugate method aids in sprint time and also in jump and power production? Right. I think it really all comes down to, to those bands. I mean, those things are game changers. You know, if you take those bands off the bar and you watch them squat, you, you, when kids know they got it, they, they, they just stand up with the bar. When you put those bands on there and those things start adding up as they stand up, you have to finish that rep stronger. You're going to end up right back down where you started. And I think that's one of the most pivotal things on is really what I think has turned that program around and is starting to put it in the right direction. You know, and kind of going back to your statement on that single leg and only sprint work, you know, I mean, I think all of us as strength coaches know that single leg work is really important. But at the same time, when you sacrifice stability, you sacrifice the ability to build strength as well. So at some point, you got to put two feet on the ground and put some weight on your back to start building some muscle and start making them grind a little bit through some reps and build some absolute strength. Because at the end of the day, you know, the more force you put in the ground, the more ground you're going to cover. And single leg exercises are only going to take you so far and sprinting over and over and over again is only going to take you so far. And then all my analogies, I always revert back to the weight room, but 
you have a 315 squat, but you can't get past it. Squatting 315 over and over and over and over and over again isn't going to get you the results you want. Eventually, you're going to have to break that down and figure out where you're weak and develop it. Otherwise, you're always going to be stuck at that 315 squat. You, you got to do something else. And sprinting in a straight line for 100 meters 17 times is definitely not the answer. And as great as rear foot elevated split squats are, those definitely aren't the answer either, you know? Eventually, you got to put some weight on the back and put the pedal to the metal. One, two, I mean, two dangles. <laughs> now, but that's not saying you don't do any any sprint mechanics, right? We do a lot of the... Well, we do a ton of corpus, and that, that was a yeah. huge thing. Yeah. So we do, you know, we do drill work, but very little sprint work, and we still see those results popping from those kids. Um, you know, I think that goes back to technique, technique in anything. If you have good technique, Right, Dean, you, you guys do this too. You hammer away at technique, sprint work, and in a weight room. If you can make kids' technique better, they're not, they're going to get faster. They're going to get stronger. Lucas, get your edge is the name of the podcast. And I know you're dropping tons of knowledge bombs to anybody that goes into the sports advantage facility or any beaver dam athlete. And it's probably on a daily basis. I can tell with your passion for helping kids get better. So for everyone that's listening out there, what is your best advice, get your edge advice for a competitive advantage for our listeners? Invest in yourself. You have to invest in yourself, right? You have to set a goal and you have to do whatever it takes to get to that goal. You have to talk to people, you have to educate yourself and you guys, and you have to work hard, you know, being obsessed with the process. And if, if you're not willing to do that, then you're not gonna get where you wanna go. You know, you're gonna, you can't settle for mediocrity. And you have to remember, you know, what you put in is what you're going to get out. So investing in yourself and giving 100% of your effort and 100% of your time to the things you want is ultimately what's going to get you there. No one can hand it to you, unfortunately. So, you know, if I could hand if I could hand them a D1 scholarship, I would, but unfortunately, I can't do that. So, they're going to have to buckle down and strap up and be ready to put some work in to get the results that they want. Thank. Let's talk talk to our listeners about how invaluable reverse hypers are and why they're so important in our program and for all athletes. They are the most important thing. We use them three times a week. Kids put in hundreds of reps on those things a week. We use them heavy, go single leg, we go light, high reps, you name it. We use them for recovery. We use them all week, all week, even on upper body days. Sometimes I have, you know, I have a couple of female basketball players that had games back to back and I was over there watching their games during a tournament it was at the high school. They finished one game. I was like, come over here real quick. I got something for you. Threw up that garage door for the weight room. I was like, hop on that hyper for me. They're like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And they just hopped on there and busted out a quick set of hundred on those hypers. I made them do a hundred in a row and you know, they felt great, but they're so important for developing the posterior chain, the low back, the glutes, hamstrings, restoration. I mean, there's just, you know, like Louis says, there's just nothing better. I mean, right. you can't beat it. That's the best machine there is. And you know what? I started using it and it's kind of the benefit of the kids too. I, I started using it as like a little bit of a punishment and it's, it's great. You know, kids start, <laughs> kids start acting up and go up on a board, write their name by 50. And it's great. At the end of the workout, I'm like, Oh, where are you going? You still owe me 50 hypers. And they think it's a punishment. But at the end of the day, you know, the kids that act up the worst are getting the most out of it. They're going to have the strongest posterior chain in the Midwest. <laughs> right. And we don't, I mean, across the board in our gyms, you know, even at the other schools, we don't have back issues. Like none, zero. About, you know, they want to, you know, a lot of people want to use, well, you shouldn't squat because it hurts your back. Well, 
we, you know, two, two things in that. Well, your back's probably weak, you know, and two, you're probably not teaching them the proper way to squat. You know what I mean? So if you teach them right and you train their lower back, because that's the biggest fear, right? You, you put kids in, in, in situations, whether it was a back extension or reverse hyper or, you know, RDL or good morning, kids get really sore because they're weak. Well, you have to keep training it. It's like anything else. It's like the first day back, you know, after like two or three weeks in the off season, you know, if you do some movements, you're going to, it's like lunge walks. You're going to get sore. Well, mm-hmm. if you keep doing them. You're going to get better. It's the same thing with training the low back and the posterior chain. You got to just, they got to keep hammering away at it. Um, because again, if you value deadlifting, squatting, you know, uh, pretty much anything you do with a bar in your back or, or holding it, you know, you have to protect that area. Absolutely. Lucas. Talk about, you know, the sleds. I know when a conjugate, you guys do a lot of different type of sled <laughs> movements. What do you do if you're in a very small weight room? So how do you get that sled work in when you when you have a very small weight room? <laughs> They're making trips up and down that turf like no one's business. They're dragging it down, spinning around, taking it right back where they started. You know, it's not ideal, but it works. Instead of one big length, they're just making four little little lengths down and back and down and back and down and back and down and back again. So it works. You know, we go wide stance, pushing it forward, real low. We drop their hips down real low and have them drag it backwards. Or we'll have them stand up and drag it backwards, change where we put the strap. You know, we'll put it on their shoulders, take it out of their hands, wrap it around their waist. Um, We'll have them pull it forward. We'll have them kind of go out wide and grab it in between their legs and kind of hinge forward at the hips there and kind of waddle down down the turf laterally. You name it, they've done it. And they've probably hated it, but the, maybe they'll see the benefit, maybe not, but they're doing them anyway. Well, talk about that. Well, also, what do, what do you do when it's nice outside? Oh, we drag those sleds. Yeah, we just ruin the bottom of those sleds outside. Absolutely. <laughs> now, now, talk about a couple of your girls' basketball players that that went to, that are playing in college now with their conditioning tests. I mean, that's ah, about- Yeah, so, um, you know, they're their colleges had sent over like a summer program. And they said, if you're doing whatever you're doing, that's fine. Um, Go ahead and do your weightlifting program. But they also said, you know, you need to do some conditioning as well. And I was like, you don't need to do conditioning. I got it covered. Don't worry about it. I didn't run them one time, not once. Every day we went outside and we drug a sled and I waved it. You know, some days we went heavy, shorter distance. Some days we went lighter, longer distance. Some days we went really long distance. I I put like 10% of their body weight on there and we just went for a hike. I had some girls marching two miles, two and a half miles, you name it. So wheelbarrows, I have a wheelbarrow, um, you name it, every day, backwards, whatever, rows incorporated with it. They went back and tested, and so the girls that, you know, had already had some previous experience at college just blew their records apart in terms of conditioning. And the girls that went there, they had their Gosh. doubts. Some of those girls had their doubts, you know, they were like, I don't know. I'm like, just just trust me. If I'm wrong, never have to listen to me again, but just trust me. And Man, I tell you, every single girl sent me a text. They're like, you were right. You were right. You were right. And they just, they were rolling in. And I was like, I told you, you know, and you know, they weren't banged up. Their knees weren't hurting. Right. Their hips weren't hurting. Ankles weren't hurting. No shin splints. And all we did was drag a sled. But I tell you what, they were running circles around everyone else on their team. Dino, you got anything else for Luke? No, I, I think that's a great point. You know, the wear and tear in their bodies. You think of basketball, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of wear and tear in the bodies and, you know, that, that's another thing that the conjugate method, I believe, really helps kids stay healthier. And, you know, when you talk about the specialty bars, I think when kids do have, 
for example, like an upper extremity injury, you can use a different bar and still be able to do what that bar is supposed to be able to do as far as muscular development. And it's, you can modify it very easily with a lot of these different kinds of bars. And that's what I found out, you know, we'll have some safety squat bars and things like that. And they might not be able to do a barbell back squat, but you put a safety squat bar and now they can squat and there's no issues with external rotation of the shoulder or anything like that. So another big plus of the conjugate method that I found out utilizing that at the high school level. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the other thing is like for the kids, it's fun because like they come in and like, they got chains hanging from the bar where, you know, they think, you know, they may not understand the value, but they're like, man, this is cool. Like, it's kind of like, it's a little harder than just coming and grabbing a barbell, you know, they're, you know, and, it, because you're constantly changing exercises, they're kind of almost sometimes coming. What what are they what do they got planned for me today? You know, right. you, you really, you know, when when we you know I've experienced or been in, in programs where they've done linear periodization. Like, like I talked to the kids that that used to play, and they're like, oh yeah, on Monday we did this this because they you know every Monday it's the same exercises. No, in four no. weeks in, they're like, uh. right, right, and we you know we you know, linear periodization in season is to me is like the worst way to do, because like, I can't, I can't think of a football player that after training camp wants to walk in and do sets of eight in the squat rack. Like that's got, you know what I mean? And I'm going to bring that up to Saturday, Dean, at the, at the coach's clinic is, you know, you got to think of different ways, you know, especially in season. That's like when I had the old line at Wisconsin for those three years, we used the conjugate method and waved it for two weeks you know, and, and max effort lower and, and one week and max effort up or another week, you know, because guys don't want to have a heavy bar on their back every single week. So you have to keep changing the stimulus. And I, I just, yeah. That, that's the cool thing too. You know, you got to have guys come over and even if they're not feeling the greatest, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're a little banged up. Maybe they're a little sore. You can still get a max effort squat out of them, you know, because that's the one thing, you know, on that linear periodization, if you have, 75% you have certain sets and reps. What, well, now what, what if you can't do it? Like, what right. are you supposed to do? Right. But max effort, you know, even if it's not your true 100%, it's your 100% for the day and you're still getting what you need out of it. And then well, and I think, I think everybody confuses max effort with maxing out. Right. Exactly. Right. right. And I think that that's where a lot of mistakes get made, right? They're like, well, I can't, well, no, you, you know, you're not supposed to max out. It's you're supposed to give a maximal effort, which is, roughly about 90% or higher every, you know, for two to three, two to three reps. So Dean, anything else for Luke here? Well, the other, the other big driver is Lucas, when these guys are getting the results, guys and girls are getting results, you know, proofs in the pudding. You talked about recording and when the vertical jumps go up and the speed goes up, the strength goes up, you know, as well as I do, the confidence of the athletes is going to go up and that's going to translate to them being a much better in whatever sport that they I participate in. That's one thing nice about the conjugate as well is it's for all sports. It's not a football thing. It's not a powerlifting thing. It's for all sports. Absolutely. And I got, I do, I got to say it. I got to, got to give a shout out to some of the kids that I have, you know, there's, we have seventh, I have a seventh grader. He was throwing around the 60 pound dumbbells on dumbbell bench the other day for sets of 10. And we have, you know, a couple 16 year old girls that, able to put 315 on their back and squat it up and blow it up like it's nothing and i'm just like holy crap like that that's unheard of it's just insane and 
and they're still moving fast. You know, they're getting strong, but they're, they're still moving fast. You know, we do our dynamic effort and they're like throwing the bar through the ceiling. You know, we jump and, you know, they're still able to get some height underneath their feet and it's, it's still going up and it's still going up. It, it's, it's just super cool to see. You know, I thought a middle school kid would be taking those sixties for a ride. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think too, the, the, the best part really, when it comes down to me for athletes with the conjugate method is it's the best way to try and prevent injuries because you know, what, what happens to, to an athlete? Why do they get hurt? Typically there's an area of weakness or an area of instability, either in a joint or a muscle. And with the conjugate method, you're constantly looking for reasons why the body isn't able to either lift a certain amount of weight where it breaks down in exercises. And then you're prescribing auxiliaries to address that. So that that's injury prevention, you know, and I, that's where, again, other systems don't work as well because with the conjugate method, it's very fluid. You know, I could, I could have something that Lucas is doing versus something that Dean's doing based on what I see in his, his main, you know, main exercise. And I just think, you know, from that perspective, you know, it's, it's really the best method for athletes. Undeniable, undeniable. (laughs) All right. Dino, anything else? Well, this is gonna this is gonna go live the day after you present at the NHSSCA clinic, which is at St. Thomas More High School down in the Milwaukee area. And I know there's a bunch of a bunch of uh, coaches signed up. I think that last number of that I kind of saw was like seventy coaches. And you know, we had Brian Calhoun on the podcast. <laughs> we, we had Brian Calhoun. We had yep. uh, Matt Gifford. You know, they've been guests on our podcast. They're going to be going there. If they're not going to be listening, I know Gifford's speaking as long as, along with yourself. So they're going to get a good taste of the conjugate method in your presentation. And I think, you know, after that, then Sunday, this thing is launched. It's going to even give more conjugate information out there too, for all those people that are at the clinic. So looking, really looking forward to that on Saturday. It's going to be a great clinic. And Lucas, Lucas, you're good. We're going to put all your contact information um, in the show notes. So if coaches, if you have questions and, and I would strongly suggest, you know, if you're, if you're near the Beaver Dam area, um, making a trip over there to visit, you know, Lucas and Wesley, who's also uh, working up there with Lucas because they're doing some really good stuff up there. And, you know, the, the stuff they're doing, not only the high school is great, but the youth kids, man, those kids have been in the program now, what, thank two, two and a half years, some of those kids. And man, that's, I think that's the thing that you're most excited about, right? Is, oh, yeah. You know, see when those kids go. So. Yeah, it's super exciting to see, you know, um, and then seeing the, the coach, the sport coaches at the high school, they stop over and they just light up. They see all these kids in there training, moving some weight, moving fast, moving good laterally, having some good mobility, you know, their faces light up and it's a cool feeling. It is. It's a really cool feeling. That's awesome. Well, I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing up there. Um, you're doing a hell of a job. There's no doubt about it. You're changing lives. Um, you're impacting so many kids. You're impacting coaches. Um, you're teaching coaches because again, some of the coaches I've talked to their knowledge from when we started up there to where it is now is, 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 is great because that's part of our job too, is to help those guys out. So keep doing it. Um, and again, we'll have everything in the show notes for Lucas, but that's going to end this episode. Got any questions? Make sure you contact Lucas on that. And we will see everybody next time. Chop it.